All right, hey everybody, welcome to the Big Brother and the Holding Company podcast, which which focuses on the intersection of music and Web three. Um, it is under the the Decentral brand. I'm McKeegan Voice, and today I'm speaking with Jay Stolar as well as David Biner, who are who are the co-founders of Hume, which is a Web three record label and entertainment company. Uh, that was born in the metaverse and they are building a new world of virtual artists that are actually native to the metaverse in order to create this new generation of artists and they just raised almost uh, 12 million dollars to keep it rolling um that's yeah, great to have you here great to be here yeah great to be here good to meet so, you solid solid hume explanation no, not everybody <laughs> gets it that's a thing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, that's the high level. Um, I'm excited to dive into the rest of it. Um, but, uh, you know, and to begin, I always like, you know, to start with your beginnings. So I'd love to hear just a little bit more about your individual backgrounds, you know, where you grew up, how you, you know, first got involved with music. We got to go deep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I don't need to start. Uh, yeah, I could. Yeah, I'll start. Yeah. So. Um, I started singing when I was seven or eight and that ended up kind of taking over my life, like singing, uh, primarily at that time in like regional theater and in professional choirs. Um, I really fell in love with it and kind of stopped everything else I was doing and that became all I did uh, and then started writing songs a little bit later. Like, I mean, I wrote some songs. There's a, there's a song I found from when I was like five, <laughs> but not, not like real song. Right? Like I started for real writing when I was more around like 12 years old um, and had this duality and love of acting, singing and writing songs. Ended up going to the Tisch School of the Arts at NYU and found out pretty quickly as I got really deep into acting that I didn't I didn't really like it I didn't really like playing the other characters um, but I liked performing and writing songs and I also liked writing stories and being a part of the directing and putting together of performances but the actual act of like I am now going to be this other person um, for long periods of time and repeat it eight days a week. <laughs> I did not like that. Um, or eight times a week. Um, sometimes nine. I don't know how familiar you are with theater, the theater world, but yeah, the more I got to know it, I was like, this just doesn't feel right for me. So I started a band um, and that band toured around, had some, had some success. And then the band in, it, it couldn't have been more of a cliche story of how it broke up. Like I had a vision and the bass player wanted to be a singer, but he couldn't sing that well. If he ever hears this podcast, I'm sure I'll get a phone call. <laughs> and uh, But he was a great producer and writer and our visions were different and people didn't like one of the band members' girlfriends. And it was just like out of a movie. <laughs> um, and band broke up, ended up having a solo career for a minute. And then in 2017, an artist named Aloe Black, who I'm sure you know, um, famous for singing the Wake Me Up When It's All Over. 
songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Aloe recorded one of my songs and that threw me into this world of writing and producing for other artists um, and got deep into that, not only on the pop side for artists like Selena Gomez and uh, Demi Lovato and more work with Aloe, but then also doing custom work for Riot Games and had uh, some music in Fortnite and then wrote music for the Olympics and the NFL and just got really, really deep into this world of building sonic universes for artists and writing songs for artists. Um, And at this point, David and I have been friends for a few years. We're roommates in Brooklyn, and he's now seeing what I'm doing. And one of the biggest things that when you're in it, you don't realize that it's not normal. Um, But from the outside, it's foreign that a lot of artists aren't necessarily creating all of their own music. And you have people like myself who are writing and producing and developing that music. And then an artist is coming in after a label or a manager and them have chosen that this is a song that they like and they come in and sing it. So the whole concept of like ghost producing and writing and the behind the scenes world of writers and producers that kind of, you know, dominate the majority of the music that's heard around the world is not always public knowledge. And definitely to David, who at this point, um, he has a much different path. And David, why don't you kind of tell your story? But yeah, that's that's the bulk of my 10,000-foot uh, background. I think to finish this, cool. I think what Jay was going to say was at you know, at that point to David, it was shocking that everything Jay just said was how everything worked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just so I know briefly, Keegan, are you, do you have a a music background as well? I'm, I'm, uh, I didn't look too deeply, but on the business side, on the artist side or creator side? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of both. Um, Yeah. I've been playing music my whole life. I studied in school. Um, yeah, I also sing, um, and compose, uh, I haven't done much of it in the public eye, but you know, I do those things behind closed doors, I guess. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I've been a music journalist for a long time and I also started my own music startup. So I've kind of, you know, in and out of all these worlds. Got it. Okay. So everything, everything I said, yeah, makes, makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Then the, the last thing I'll add before David dives in is, Similarly to the experience I had early in college, realizing that I didn't really love the really the like repetitive business side of acting as I started to have more success as a writer and a producer, I realized that I also did not like on the financial side, the way that writers and producers are treated and what they partake in. Um, And then also how you'd create something and a lot of it was just very shallow. Like you'd make something for an artist and that may sometimes it would just be one song on their album. You work on it and then it's done and you're on to the next. And it felt like there had to be a more holistic way for creators to work on developing music and art and get paid. Um, So that's kind of like the Petri dish of things that's happening. Like David's seeing what's going on in this world and I'm 
becoming more and more frustrated with the system and looking for uh, a different way and an opportunity to grow outside of a system that is fairly flawed, as I'm sure you're well aware. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I am indeed, unfortunately. Um, it's very, yeah, it's a, it's a mind-blowing system. Then also just, it's it's the craziest part about it is like, usually when there are systems out there that don't work well, like everybody kind of knows about it and talks all the time about how that thing doesn't work well. <laughs> but no one talks, like, it's like a big, it's like the music industry's biggest secret also. Like everything thinks like, Oh, music. It's like such so, so fun. Like people are just like going into studios and making music and yeah. becoming like stars and making all this money. And it's like not that at all. Um, but anyway, uh my background, I grew up in Miami, which is now, you know, crypto city of the world, which has been super funny to see that kind of evolution. Um and then, yeah, I went to college in New York. My relationship with me, I mean, I always listen to music. I am not, you know, any level near you or Jay in terms of, like, my relationship in creating music. Like, you know, I had played guitar in high school and could still play guitar now. And I've written some songs with Jay. But I was never, you know, I was never, you know, playing live or like truly going and like making an album and trying to release things on Spotify or acting as a true songwriter. Um, it was definitely like way more of a true hobby and not like when people say something's a hobby, but they're like basically professional at it. Like <laughs> actually something that um, was just like for fun in my life. Um, and then when I was in, uh, New York went to college up there and you know just we're, we're doing the deep backstory today but I was in New York and I had this internship at IBM and was basically around all these very smart people questioning how social media would be used and integrated into our lives over you know the next decade and that that kind of started to push me towards this path of tech and also just content and content strategy and how that would appear on the web and online and eventually the metaverse and uh did a bunch of small startup-y things i was part of this startup that tried to connect tutors and students um but eventually spent a lot of my time at a firm called vaudeville and we worked with a lot of i was a strategist and we'd work with a lot of big media companies like comcast or mgm and when they were trying to, they'd try and, they would spin up these basically startups within their companies um, in the media and content space. So Comcast had launched a short form video platform called Watchable, which was kind of like early Quibi in a way. And MGM was doing streaming platforms, but for specific TV shows. So I'm in that world. And then in 2017, I find out about Ethereum and I just go like head for, I just thought it was like the craziest thing ever. I'd actually like, I'd started to dabble in crypto in like 2013, 2014, but I was 
poor. So I like me going <laughs> all in was like putting $500 and buying like one Bitcoin, which, which was awesome. Unfortunately it got hacked later, but okay. um, <laughs> I have a, uh... I have an email that I think at this point, maybe I'll just print it. So I remind myself, but uh, from 2014 with David being like, I know, like, you know, I know we, I know we don't have a lot of money, but like, there's something here. You should really check it out. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. David's crazy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend money on this dark web, digital money stuff. <laughs> oh, if only you can go back. Yeah. So, 2017 started to get really into Ethereum and then similarly tried to start something in the space um, with two two friends, one who was more on the finance side and one who was on the tech side and actually works at um, Arbitrum now. But we, we were basically, we were an advisory firm. We were doing research for other, you know, VCs, wealth management firms, trying to help them to get, trying to help them understand the space. Um, and now is the part where like, I'm living, you know, Jay and I are roommates in Brooklyn and I'm seeing all this crypto stuff and I'm starting to learn a lot about it. And I still have like that, you know, everything, all the tech media and social stuff in the back of my head. And then I'm seeing Jay and I'm learning all this stuff about the music industry, like that, you know, a lot of these people don't write their own music and how like the sausage is really made and eventually like how these record deals work and i had been more you know i'd been seeing like you know friends of mine raising money or like companies we had worked with raise money so i was i thought that was just how deals work you know people give you money and you give them some equity and then <laughs> you go and build something not like you get an advance and you're an indentured servant now <laughs> which is also wild another thing that i don't i don't think people really know what record deals are is the no matter how like much it gets talked about so long story short you know to sum it to sum up many conversations into one it was basically like jay and i talking and me being like virtual people are gonna come and that world is gonna like there's gonna need to be artists in that world and then jay started as that world started forming especially as we got like more into 2020 jay had a great analogy which he would say, you know, it's like the punk rock scene is forming, but there's no bands. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we really just started to to create him on this idea that, you know, you're going to have Web3 in the metaverse and it will be extremely powerful to have artists that are native to these worlds. And there's going to be a drake billy eilish level artist that is completely virtual um and we wanted to go out and and create that and it's how we uh it's how we got here it's how we have angel baby now you know and something else you might find interesting keegan is uh, i guess it started it was early right to be talking about this in 2017 2018 like you had um, Michaela starting around that time. Um, but we had our, uh, first, you know, virtual artists and we loved them. And there was a tiny bit of able to get a little bit of momentum. And we were actually offered a couple deals. And one of them was from a major label. Um, 
And I, I called David and said, you know, it's, it's very rare to get an offer from a major label for an artist that has pretty much zero traction <laughs> and nothing proven. Um, so True. we should really, you know, talk about this and consider it. And I send him the deal and he calls me back and he goes, Jay, this is a bad deal. <laughs> I was like, what do you, well, I know that it's not great. He goes, no, no, no. What, this is not what a record deal looks like. I was like, this is uh, kind of what a, this is a record deal. Like, this is, <laughs> potentially just like a template of a exact record deal from a major label. Um, and we really liked the team in theory, but we were there talking about digital scavenger hunts and media assets on the blockchain and different things that you could do. And they were talking to us about podcasts and, you know, it, it just didn't make sense. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, not only was that the catalyst, um, that led to us, you know, investing our own money and taking big leaps to do everything we possibly can and could to build what is now Hume. Um, but it also showed us just like there, there's no better, nothing will convince me more to do something than seeing people who are stuck in their ways, not seeing something that's right in front of our eyes. And mm. that, that moment was a, a really big one for us. Um, it's always hard to say no to something like that and hurts at first, but then we were just sprinting for the next three years. I think we're yeah. still sprinting a little bit, but slow down. <laughs> we're running like seven minute miles now. At that's, a certain point, it was like four, four and a half minute miles every day. Fast. That's that's you like had to move fast, number. man. You have to move fast in this world. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's amazing. Thank you both for sharing. And and yeah, I imagine if, even if you know, even if the record deal wasn't the direction that you wanted to go, is you know also pretty validating to get something like that in front of you. Yes, yes, it definitely felt like we're doing something right. Um, but if we really want to get to where we want to be, we're going to have to be able to move quicker than this this yeah. situation is going to allow us to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm really curious to hear more more about the mechanics, you know, behind everything. But I think for context, um, if we could talk a little bit first about Angel Baby and who Angel Baby is um, and, uh, you know, how Angel Baby was conceived, um, you know, to contextualize some of the questions that will come after. Yeah. Um, to, to answer it more on the, you know, continuing the story more like on the business side of, you know, how we arrived at Angel Baby, we... So we closed our seed round in August 21. Um, we had started pitching, you know, earlier. We were really lucky to, you know, have met G Money really early. And he was a huge early believer, one of our first investors and still with us and an advisor. And there was one massive thing that happened while we were in this seed round. So we, as they had mentioned, there were these other virtual artists we had started 
Um, and the idea was to create an NFT ecosystem around them. Um, so the seed closes, it's August 21 now, and everything has changed. And by everything, I mean Bored Apes and a bunch of other projects now exist and have traction where if you own the NFT, you own 100% of the IP and copyright around it. And what was the, the hardest part, like human artist, virtual artist, YouTube streamer, Twitch streamer, like the hardest thing with any of these is like, how do you get your first, like, how do you go from zero to 10? You know, how do you get those first fans? And it became very apparent to us that instead of continuing with the virtual artists that we had put so much time into and trying to like force them into the web three world, which at that point was, you know, so nascent. Um, what if we purchase a PFD or avatar from one of these other collections and built, you know, built our IP and our virtual artists off of that. And we ended up picking Fluff World. Um, we've been introduced to Aaron and that team. And we chose Fluff World because the avatars were 3D. The There was music integrated into them. So we knew that we'd be able to do something with music. And also the team was just really great. Um, so that's that's kind of how that's kind of how we got there. But Angel Baby also, you know, a big part of what we're doing is like, how do you how do you have the first virtual artist that really breaks mainstream in the same way that Pixar was able to make the first 3D movie that broke mainstream with Toy Story? And you know, there was a lot of there's a lot of deep backstory to Angel Baby. Well, yeah, that's what I was required. gonna say on the on the business side that's what it looks like on paper but on the human side and the story side and we met angel baby um in mid-august 2021 a little more than a year ago and angel had just arrived here through a cybergate from the year 3045 <laughs> and uh in angel's time there's a group called the Zani Republic that essentially have full sovereign tyrannical reign over the metaverse and all forms of creative expression, um, creation of music, everything is explicitly illegal, punishable by death. And above that, any type of virtual being that has interactions with humans, relationships with humans, it's a really dark, fucked up, horrible time. And uh, Angel's the one of the founders of a group called the Hume Collective that was formed in like the mid-2500s to combat the Zani Republic. So very, very long story short, um, Angel had like escaped, barely escaped from the Zani Republic and was forced through this cybergate and ended up here in our time. So Dave and I met Angel Baby and Angel told us this whole story and the future of virtual uh, artists and virtual beings. And we, as, as people who had already been so deep in this world for a long time, it was incredible to hear. And 
we committed right there. Like, let's do this. Let's build Hume together. Let's build a new Hume collective. Let's uh, stop the Zani Republic before they can even start. Um, so as we like go up 10,000 feet with everything I just said, and uh, one day you'll, you'll get to meet Angel. Um, story and storytelling is essential. And having virtual artists that are a part of a world where we understand where they come from, their fears, their loves, their likes, like who they are in, in every way is so deeply, deeply important. Like we don't think about it, but if you, when you saw the Beatles for the first time on the Ed Sullivan show, there were so many factors of what caused that eruption. And, but your brain as a fan knew, oh, they're from Liverpool, they're friends, they're this age, you know, Paul has this, likes this stuff and John likes this stuff. And when you watch Justin Bieber play uh, at the Grammys or hear a Justin Bieber song, like you don't know this, but subconsciously, or you're not thinking about it, but you know, like something from his past. He was a YouTube star. He started as a drummer. He dated this person. He had this like scandal that happened to him. And it's coloring the way that you interact and you feel about this music. So if you if you take that out of the picture with a virtual artist, you're going to be missing arguably one of the most important parts of music creation, artistry, especially in the modern world, especially now with social media. So it's kind of like you have the you just have a floating tip of an iceberg without an iceberg. Hmm. Um, so that's another huge belief and cornerstone of our world at specifically on the on the creative and virtual artist side um and then there's you know the whole platform um and interactions between fans and artists but if you're just talking about the virtual artist side like yeah when you have artists like meta stars like angel baby and the other meta stars that are coming that are all from this world and have this story and relationships to each other and a uh, deep sense of self that will be the future of virtual people and our our deep love and connection to them in many ways cool well well put um one for those for those who maybe don't know just to like what the year it's been almost a year um for angel baby has looked like uh you know we angel baby's first single came out was nft we had a lyric video and also did a quick airdrop to all of the fluff holders and they got an instrumental of the song and they were actually able to put that instrumental um and attach it to their PFPs and there was a whole angel baby like went to the desert people were trying to save angel baby they sent angel baby desert nfts it was a crazy <laughs> thing but that was the beginning of uh kind of forming the community and then since then angel baby did three live shows one at fluff house at out basel another one fluff house in la and another one at south by southwest then we uh, started releasing more music, all of Angel Baby's music NFTs, other side view from the moon and minted went to like either number one or two on 
OpenSea in the music category. And then same thing with all the releases we did on Audius. We really wanted to focus on Web3 and they all went again to one or I think two went to one and one of them went to two. Um, and then we did the Hume Genesis drop and which was a, a free mint where if you held basically people who held certain angel baby music nfts were prioritized um and this past week you know a big thing we believe is like web3 can really allow fans to be on the journey with the artists um and this last week we launched the spot which is uh in our in the story in the lore uh, the spot is where members of the Hume Collective would meet up and co-create. It was a secret place in the metaverse hidden from the Zani Republic. Um, and we've we've rebuilt the spot here in our time. And last week was the first Hume Collective decision where fans were able to vote on what Angel Baby's next release should be. Um, and it was pretty powerful to see, you know, NFTs, there's a potential for NFTs to be used to like really unlock these fan experiences. And we had 40% of holders come and participate in this decision and this vote. And they loved it. It was like a true kind of fan experience built on Web3. And that's at a time, someone just sent us this today, like active wallet use is down like 75%. Um so to, you know, bring a real experience to Web3 that people want to use and is engaging and it's tied to a virtual artist and it's tied to music, we just, we're super excited about where this can all go because if this is, if people are that excited right now, with especially, you know, in, in Web3, if people aren't exactly as excited as they were six months ago, we're, we just feel really positive that virtual artists music this is how you make web3 palatable and interesting to you know millions of people yeah absolutely no i think that's really cool um that you have empowered people uh to actually make some of the creative decisions for you know you know for these virtual artists uh and i'm curious if if you know there's a world where you expand that to having influence over, you know, company-wide decisions, like, you know, in terms of like collective governance or, just, you know, having some decisions in, in like the studio side of Hume where you're actually developing the Metastars in terms of like what the characters, you know, look like, which characters are going to come out next, you know, what happens in this, you know, really, you know, really grand, you know, universe and story and world that you've created. Like, is there a world where that that might happen. But before you dive into that, and David, I feel like that might be a good one for you to take. Just uh, something you just said, having the holders make decisions for the virtual artists. I feel like there's a big difference between for and with, and not just, you know, in quotes, with the virtual artist and with Angel Baby, but there is something that we're seeing which feels like the evolution of fandom and fan to artist relationships as a whole, where 
it if you take a look at like what happened with the with the spot and this first engagement on the platform it is so it's been such a community experience and and i don't mean that in like a buzzword of community like just literally watching people talk to each other about which song they feel like angel should put out and angel reacting to that and then them reacting to that on social media and then talking about it on discord and that leading to people making decisions so i think it's like that's what we always believed and getting to see that feels like true evolution of of the experience of of being a fan um i think that'll probably affect this next question in terms of other types of decisions. And even today, there's like a business decision, David, that uh, maybe we talk about that. Yeah, to piggyback, you know, off a big part of what, what Jay is saying and what, what I was going to say is like, a, a, the big piece of this is to make sure that it's fun and that we're delivering a entertaining and engaging fan experience because what made that you know decision in the spot so interesting was it was truly a story like jay said like you were making this decision with angel baby you went in you saw a message you saw why angel baby wrote these two songs you saw what these two songs meant to angel baby and then you got to you know listen to them and choose this next release and we saw like this was mind-blowing to us but on that uh, people spent four plus minutes on that uh, page where like you're deciding on a song to get anybody to spend four plus minutes in 2022 on something on the internet is uh, pretty shocking. Um, we're you know super excited about it, but when we think about you know what are opening up things to more business decisions. I think a lot of it is going to be about finding that balance between what feels like an experience and what is entertaining and fun, fun being the key word, because if it stops being fun, people will stop engaging with it. And there are probably certain business decisions that fit under that moniker, but ultimately we want to create an experience where your NFT is letting you into a world where you are where you feel fun and you feel creative and you know right now so today and right by the time this goes live this will be over but we are doing more of a business decision vote um on what the supply should be for the next music nft and it'll be really interesting to see what the participation is on that versus something that's like inherently just fun and easy and like so human like which song do you like more who doesn't who like it's very hard like who doesn't want to be like oh, i've got like you know 10 minutes why don't i like listen to these two songs from this artist that i love that only i get to listen to and go vote on what the next release is versus which we'll find out today like oh you know what what should the supply of the music NFT be? And maybe, you know, what'll be interesting is maybe we're going to find out that that is very fun. But I think at the core of it is not get a lot of this. You know, there's a lot of this like that gets thrown around of like, 
using Web3 to be a, you know, full on incorporating people into business decisions that I don't think they always want to be incorporated into. And for us, it's about this is a fun, creative platform versus trying to allow people to be part of a business because but if you look at DeFi, like those votes on DeFi platforms are really low. Not a lot of people like to participate on votes on in, in DeFi. And it's because most people have their own job and their own pressures in life. And they don't necessarily want to be, you know, have another job. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes absolute sense. But when it's about music, it's a bit easier to get engaged, you know. Um, so before we wrap up, I just kind of want to talk, you know, look behind the scenes a little bit. I'm really curious about, uh, you know, this, what the interaction looks like between, you know, between the Metastars and their human counterparts. Like who, you know, who is writing the music? Um, you know, how is revenue shared? Um, and, 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 you know, I'm curious also just like thinking, you know, Angel Baby is playing these actual, actual shows alongside people like Chromium and T-Pain. Like how, how is that? Like, what are the perspectives of, you know, of the humans who are also there participating, you know, playing with a virtual, you know, you know, with a virtual artist, you know, what does that, what does that all kind of look like? So with that last question, do you mean like, how did Chromio feel or T-Pain feel? Yeah, I guess you know how Chromio or T-Pain, you know, felt. Yeah, and well, I know that like we were sitting. What, what were you going to say, David? I mean, is it maybe like even broader, starting broader. But yeah, we can, you, we can do it either, either way. Well, what do you mean by that? Wanna, let's follow Just your like, brain. well, I think, you know, in terms of like what we do differently to for these words, like one thing that we do differently is like songwriters who show up to a session um, to write this music. Again, like that's all Jay's whole world and background, even before we did this, um, actually get paid something. Another thing that people don't know about the music industry is that songwriters show up to like hundreds of sessions a year and maybe like one song, you know, depending on the songwriter, but for some songwriters, one song will get cut. Um, and and by cut, in this case, I mean like released into the, the public. Um, and But they don't get any money or maybe even like not even lunch bot for them when they like showed up to that other session. So for us, it was important, like even if it's a small amount, like if you're showing up to a session to come write music with us, getting paid something. And then if your song gets chosen, uh, getting paid for that work as well. Um, so that, you know, in terms of like how the music gets made, that was very important to us. And another thing that we wanted to do a little differently than the traditional music industry. And it, I think it also lets people feel, you know, they're writing this with Angel Baby. And it, it kind of like increases that camaraderie. Um, and, and on top of that, all the you know, writers, producers who are part of it, we're got a Hume Genesis NFT. We make sure they get a version of the music NFT. We really want 
you know, everybody working on this to feel as part of it as possible. And a big part of that is like, you know, making sure people feel appreciated. Well said, David. You've mm-hmm. you've really come a long way from 2017. <laughs> it, uh, it brings me a lot of joy. But yeah, people are shocked by it because I'm sure you know, Keegan. It's like, come to the session. You get a day rate. We have lunch. What? Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> and there's one of the simple things in music that this is so simple too. And again, if you're not in the world, you might think it's insane that it's what people do but people also don't sign any contracts before working together in music so how do you create a situation where people know what they're getting paid at least yeah you know what you're getting paid you know what your split's going to be and you're able to just walk into a room and be creative and use your use your imagination in a way that is completely new as well because you're sitting there, you know, we're talking with Angel Baby, but Angel might leave the room. And now you're sitting there being like, all right, well, what did it look like in 3044? The opportunity for expanding your mind creatively and exploring your imagination as a songwriter and a producer. And we're primarily talking about music here, but on for on the animation side, on the writing side, on every single aspect of it is is new. It's it's something that is different that we haven't done before because it didn't exist. And I talk about this a lot, but I think it, in a lot of ways it it must have been what it felt like in the mid nineties when Ed and John and Steve were working on Pixar and everybody was coming in there. On the creative side here, it's treating people well and also giving them an opportunity to create in ways they haven't before. And it's been really, really cool to see how songwriters and producers and friends of mine who I've worked with in rooms with artists, I've worked with in rooms without artists, but how they think and open up when you say something like, well, why don't you put yourself in Angel's shoes? What do you think it looked like? What do you think they said that day? And you just watch people like explore and be creative like their kids again, which is uh, arguably where the best art comes from. Cool. That feels like a good spot to end right there. The hope and the creativity, you know, of our childlike selves. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Embrace that for the day. Yeah. Let's let's do that. Let's take that with us. Well, thank thanks for thanks for having us. This was a lot of fun and great to, you know, just have a super real conversation and go deep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was really awesome. We really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you both for joining as well as really get to, you know, chat and dive into, you know, dive into your backgrounds and, uh, you know, what you're building you know, with Hume. So, you know, wish you only the best as you continue to, to uh, carry it forward. Thank you, man. 
Thank you. All right, that's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media, and you can visit us at decentral.io, and remember, only you can prevent and fend off Big Brother. <laughs>